Welcome to Rainbow Rundown, where we cover entertainment and news stories from across the LGBT community. Mondays, you're on the Left of Straight Network. Enjoy the show! Welcome to the Rainbow Rundown here on the Left of Straight Radio Network. Every Monday we recap some of the top stories in news and entertainment that hit our hot button for the previous week. We have been taking some time off from live broadcasting and just recapping the stories via AI. Look for live episodes coming back near the end of October as we settle into the spooky season. So sit back, grab your cocktail, or put your hands back on the steering wheel and listen to this week's Rainbow Rundown airing on September 25, 2023. Starting with politics, it seems appropriate to report since Gay Days was this past weekend, that Kenneth Griffin, the biggest donor to Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, has said that he isn't donating to DeSantis' 2024 presidential campaign because DeSantis doesn't seem to have a strategy for winning. To prove his point, Griffin noted DeSantis' pointless crusade against Disney for opposing Florida's don't-say-gay law. Griffin gave $5 million to DeSantis' 2021 gubernatorial election campaign. In April, Griffin said that he appreciates all that the governor has done to make Florida one of the most attractive states to live and work in, including increasing the number of quality school options and prioritizing the safety of our communities. After Disney opposed Florida's don't say gay law, DeSantis continuously and publicly criticized the company, dissolved Disney's self-governing district in Florida, and appointed a five-member board to oversee the area. In response, Disney filed a lawsuit against DeSantis, alleging a relentless campaign to weaponize government power against Disney in retaliation for expressing a political viewpoint. DeSantis board countersued. While DeSantis has said it's time to move on from the battle, Disney hasn't relented, and it may take many months before courts settle the issue. In the meanwhile, his battle with Disney may cost taxpayers an estimated $4.5 million in legal fees by 2024. Griffin is just one of many big-dollar donors fleeing DeSantis. Of the top 50 donors who gave $160,000 or more to his 2022 gubernatorial re-election campaign, only 8 have donated to his campaign, and only 16 have donated to his super PAC Never Back Down, Politico noted. Five who gave to his super PAC also donated money to his GOP presidential rivals. One of his biggest past donors, hotel and aerospace executive Robert Bigelow, told Reuters that he wouldn't donate unless DeSantis adopted more moderate policies and showed that he's able to generate more contributions on his own. We're in week three of the new football season, and Justine Lindsay isn't your typical cheerleader. The first transgender woman to be part of an NFL cheer squad, Lindsay is leading the sport to a new level of acceptance and equality. And, she points out, the Carolina Panthers' top cats is at the forefront of the new formation. In a revealing interview with Elle magazine, Lindsay opened up about her journey as a transgender woman, an elite squad member, and what it's like being thrust into a new role as a trans icon. I want to change the narrative for my trans sisters and brothers, just to, let them, know that if you have a goal, go for it, she says. Turn that dream into a reality. 
be an NFL cheerleader, or a doctor, or a nurse, or whatever you set your mind to. Dance became a massive part of Lindsay's life, including a scholarship to the Debbie Allen Dance Academy in Los Angeles as a young teenager. She credits the inclusive environment with helping her come to terms with her gender identity. I was around people who were open about being who they are, Lindsay explained. I became more comfortable asking, who am I? She found the answer, she says, by the time she turned 18. I was always Justine. Lindsay returned to North Carolina for college and settled back into her hometown of Charlotte after graduation, where she started hormone therapy. Getting looks from guys saying how pretty you are, even though that's not what is important, was validation that I was going in the right direction, Lindsay said. But I wasn't hanging out with any other trans women, so I just didn't know much about the community. And when she did connect with the local trans community, it was one of her new friends that encouraged her to try out for the cheer squad. Cheerleaders have grappled with sexual harassment, misogyny, poor pay, and unsafe working conditions for decades, but with the hashtag MeToo movement and lawsuits, things have slowly become better. But Lindsay also has to struggle with living and working in one of the most vehemently anti-LGBTQ states in the nation. State legislation defines transgender girls as biologically male and bans them from playing sports on teams that align with their gender identity because they're a threat to competition. North Carolina also forbids gender-affirming care for transgender youth. A few years ago, the state caused a national furor, spawning multiple boycotts and costing the state billions in revenue, when it banned transgender women from using restrooms that align with their gender identity. We are in the South, Top Cat squad member Chris Crawford acknowledged, and there are gender norms and trends that aren't always recognized, accepted, or acknowledged. I wholeheartedly wish I could tell you that, on game day, all of our fans celebrate Justine, coach Chandelier Lanouette says. But that's just not 100% the case. Justine earned her spot on this team, but there are a lot of people that, if it doesn't fit into a box, they have a hard time understanding it. But Lindsay knows that she has the wholehearted support of her team. We learned how to navigate the different issues and hardships that we each carry as individuals outside of being top cats, Crawford said. We are a family here, and family protects each other. From the advocate, after a swift and vigorous student-led campaign, the LGBTQ Resource Center at Southeast Missouri State University, SEMO, will reopen and stay open, overturning an earlier decision by the university administration to close the facility due to staffing shortages and low student usage. The outcry was led by Peyton Redinger, president of the SEMO Pride Organization, who was frustrated by the lack of clear communication from the university regarding the center's closure, Southeast Missouri CBS affiliate KFVS reports. There wasn't really much communication on the university's behalf, so we were kind of like, what is going on? Why is this happening? Redinger told the outlet. In a bid to retain this vital resource, Redinger, along with his executive board, launched a petition to gather student opinions on the matter. The move spurred a sizable portion of the student body to voice their concerns. LGBTQ students need a place to go for resources for support, Keaton Thomas, a freshman at the university, said. Following the significant student outcry, 
the university issued a statement recognizing the strong support from the student body, faculty, and staff for the LGBTQ community. As a result, the center will continue to operate in its current location, with staffing to be provided by a mix of student employees and volunteers. Reflecting on the victory, Redinger found solace in knowing the university heeds student concerns. It is refreshing to know that the university is listening, that they are willing to do the things it takes to make their students feel safe on campus, even if it is a minority group," he remarked. Gay Mexican author Benjamin Allier Sines recently had his frequently banned 2012 young adult novel, Aristotle and Dante Discover the Secrets of the Universe, adapted into a feature-length film. The book and film follow two queer 15-year-old Mexican boys who develop a deep relationship in 1987 El Paso, Texas. It's groundbreaking, considering the lack of gay films focused on Hispanic teens, and it's exactly the sort of film that could have made many other Hispanic queers feel more normal and less alone growing up. At the time the film is set in, most gay films were tragic flicks about men dying of AIDS or being gay-bashed. Many of them featured effeminate older men. So most gay role models in media were the white cross-dressing sexual misfits in the Rocky Horror Picture Show, Tom Hanks' Hispanic lover in Philadelphia, Angel the HIV-positive drag queen in the musical Rent, and the nude Hispanic models in Latino Inches magazine. The titular heroes of Sign's book don't feel Mexican enough for other Mexicans and feel too Mexican to be accepted by other white Americans. They don't fit in, surrounded by other boys who drool over girls, parents who largely keep their hard feelings to themselves, and a world that seems hostile to gay people's existence. Aristotle, who is guarded, self-deprecating, and from a working-class family, doesn't want to be defined solely by his family or sexual orientation. But he eventually has his world and self-perception expanded when he befriends Dante, an outspoken and eccentric son of an English professor. Signs, who came out after a 15-year marriage at the age of 54, said that writing the book helped him heal and make peace with his own closeted life and abuse growing up. Similarly, the film's director, a transgender Cuban-American woman named H. Alberto, underwent her own gender transition while making the film. She said the book mirrored her own journey coming to terms with her identity, reading it unlocked something in her that made her realize that she wanted to tell stories like these to others. While conservatives were busy banning Aristotle and Dante for its rather mild depictions of gay teen sexuality, drug use, and violence, the book was busy winning awards, the Pura Belpre Author Award for Excellence in Depicting the Latino Cultural Experience, the Stonewall Book Award for Excellence in Depicting the LGBTQ Plus Experience, and a Michael L. Prince Honor for Excellence in Teen Literature. Also from The Advocate, a number of LGBTQ Plus veterans who were discharged without honor from the military over their sexuality may have their honor returned under a program announced Wednesday by the Defense Department on the 12th anniversary of the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Doing so would allow these veterans to access a host of services they are currently not able to receive such as health care and tuition assistance for college. The military policy known as Don't Ask, Don't Tell allowed queer service members to serve in the military if they were closeted. However, they were kicked out if their sexual orientation was found out by military officials 
and were categorized as having been discharged under other than honorable conditions. In a nine-month investigation by CBS, the outlet found that many LGBTQ service members found that due to being discharged under the policy, they were not able to access a variety of benefits offered to veterans. That included loans, tuition assistance, health care, and even employment. It's led to a class-action lawsuit against the Pentagon, arguing that they should systematically be upgraded to honorable discharged. Between 1980 and 2011, over 35,000 service members received a discharge or separation because of real or perceived homosexuality, homosexual conduct, sexual perversion, or any other related reason, CBS reports. Less than 1,500 have had their discharge classification updated. Now, under a new review, the Department of Defense will re-examine the records of the veterans who served under. Don't ask, don't tell. This would eliminate the need for the veterans themselves to apply for the record change. He added, the department values the contributions LGBTQ service members, veterans, and their families have made. I continue to encourage service members who were discharged when this policy was in effect to apply for a record correction through the military department's discharge review boards and boards for correction of military-slash-naval records. Drag performer Morgan McMichaels has made a parody music video of Kylie Minogue's massively popular song Padam Padam called Your Dumb Your Dumb. The video parody features two headlines taken from LGBTQ Nation while mocking anti-LGBTQ plus conservatives. In the video, McMichaels, a drag performer who competed in season 2 of RuPaul's Drag Race and season 3 of RuPaul's Drag Race, All Stars, mocks prominent queerphobes like Republican representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, George Santos, Matt Gates, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, also transphobic Daily Wire broadcasters Michael Knowles, Matt Walsh, and Candace Owens, the so-called parents' rights hate group Moms for Liberty, former President Donald Trump, Trump's drag-wearing lackey. Rudy Giuliani, failed Arizona gubernatorial candidate Carrie Lake, Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders, and others. The video begins with McMichaels witnessing a bathroom fight between Green and Boebert. The scene is a cartoonish reenactment of the real-life screaming match that reportedly happened between the Congresswomen in the ladies' bathroom of the Speaker's lobby last January. The video then shows anti-LGBTQ plus political headlines from over the last year, including ones that read, more than 530 anti-LGBTQ bills have been proposed across the country in 2023, DeSantis signs transgender bathroom bill, bans gender-affirming care, expands don't say gay law, white supremacists terrorize drag queen story hour with Nazi salutes, a hate-filled disruption, and Tennessee just became first U.S. state to ban drag shows in chilling blow for LGBTQ plus rights. Two headlines later in the video were taken directly from LGBTQ Nation, Representative Matt Gates calls LGBTQ plus people degenerate while announcing prayer in school bill and Marjorie Taylor Greene calls trans people a cult that's corrupting our children. In the YouTube description of her parody video, McMichaels wrote, Ordem Ordem is a parody of Kyle Minogue's Padam Padam calling out the ignorant rhetoric of the right wing targeting the LGBTQ plus community. 
drag queens and trans women in this world were the vanguards of the gay rights movement at Stonewall and have been spearheading the fight for the rights of the LGBTQ community since and will not sit idly by now as small-minded hate-filled people attempt to strip us of our rights and our humanity, McMichaels continued. We will stand up, we will clap back and we will continue to live, love and fight for equality. We are not afraid and we will fight back for our equality and rights. It grieves me, the thought of exposing our kids to darkness. We've had enough of drag queens gyrating in front of children. Uh, On a crusade across the nation and try to do away with the homosexuals. Uh, a, a man should dress up like a woman and a woman shouldn't dress up like a man. <laughs> Morgan McMichaels here, and I want to let you know that you can get your prep online for free. It's really, really simple. The first thing you have to do is sign up at mister.com. Consult with a physician online and complete your STI testing at home. Whether you're insured, whether you have no insurance, Mr. has you covered, baby. Such a great video and message. Thank you, Morgan. And that wraps up this week's Rainbow Rundown. 
Be sure to check back every day Monday through Friday on the left of Straight Radio Network's YouTube page or website at www.lefthavestr8radio.com for new show content five days a week. This week we have our special bonus segment, Five Questions With, and we are bringing back screenwriter and comedian Mikey Montemayor and playwright and drag artist legend Charles Bush to get on the hot seat. On Wednesday, we have an all-new episode of Bears of a Certain Age, the Gay Bear Lifestyle Podcast in cooperation with the queer-centric and hosted by Scott and Johnny. Thursday, The Left of Straight Show has a brand new interview with media mogul-turned-author Sulla Bachir from Canada whose new autobiography talks about backyard barbecues with Marlon Brando, video conventions with Halle Berry, his extensive media empire, his philanthropy, and his amazing art collection. And Friday, we wrap the week up with two best friends and accomplished guys on their own right, Luke Deirdorf, the winner of this year's Spring Baking Championship on the Food Network, and his best friend, Jonathan Mayo, advocate and entertainment coordinator. Be sure to give each episode a thumbs up or five-star rating and don't forget to subscribe. Goodbye all. Thanks for listening to The Left of Straight Show. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast distributor and please give us a five-star rating so more listeners can find us. You can follow us on social media and be sure to check out our website, www.leftofstraightradio.com for contests and other news and information. See you next week.